Welcome to Women's Thrive Podcast. This is where you'll get to hear incredible stories of female entrepreneurs, business owners, women from all walks of life. Myself, Raymond Jan, and my co-host Abigail will be interviewing incredible women, hearing inspiring stories of women from all around the world. I have no doubt that you will find something that will be life-changing for you. Make sure you hit that subscribe button and join us for our future episodes. So hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Women Thrive podcast. My name is Abigail Rebecca. I am your host. And today we have a fabulous lady who is joining us, Judy Morio. She is one of the most in-demand speakers on motivation, communication skills, and personal development in the world. She's also an author. She is an author of You Are More Than Enough, Every Woman's Guide to Purpose, Passion, and Power, and its companion Achievement Journal, and is the publisher of both Life Choices book series and Choices magazine, as well as the host of Popular Choices <laughs> with Judy Murphy Internet Radio Show. Judy, welcome. It's so wonderful to have you here. I know that you do a lot more than that, but that's just a short intro. How are you? Thank you. I'm wonderful. Thank you. It's wonderful to be here. I'm so honored. Oh, it's great to for you to be here. And um, thank you so much for yeah, for joining us today. So, Judy, that was a very short intro. I'm sure that you can embellish a little bit on there. So would you be able to share with us what you do? What is your purpose and your mission in this world? My purpose and my mission is to empower people to believe in themselves and to go after what it is that they want in life as a Young woman, I was very insecure, even though I came from a, a very secure background in a very small town. And I was always told by my parents that I could be anybody or anything I wanted to be. I was very shy and very insecure, and I wouldn't go after what I wanted. And I try to encourage other women, especially, and I have a lot of men in my coaching classes and things as well, but I encourage them to go after what they want, to not be afraid. To know that we can do anything we want to do if we're willing to put out the effort and if we're willing to understand that we might have to give up something and what we might have to give up in order to accomplish what it is that we want to accomplish. That's really my purpose is to get other people to believe in themselves. Uh, that's what I've been doing from the time I was old enough to work. I started my career at Wendy Ward. I was there with the Montgomery Ward's department stores. They were very large department stores in America. I don't think they were in other parts of the world, but they're not there anymore. There's like a, a catalog store or something, but they were big department stores back then. They hired me to be the Wendy Ward director. And what the Wendy Ward director did was she taught young children how to do their fingernails and their toenails and how to take care of their skin and how to model in little fashion shows. And then I had the teenage group and I worked with them on self-esteem and believing in themselves. And of course, doing all the good grooming, personal development things. And then we put in a career course for career women because a lot of the girls' mothers were saying, I want to go to that. So we put in a course for career women. And in one year, we took that program from being number 500 in the nation to number one in the nation. And so I got full of myself <laughs> and I thought, oh, if I can do this for them, I can certainly do this for myself. So now with my savings of $2,000, that was my big savings. 
And I opened my own business. I was 24 years old. I opened my first business, Universal Models. And it was a finishing school and model agency. And I rented an office and then I went out and started speaking to schools about having the girls come and take the classes and things. But unfortunately for me, about nine days after I opened my business was the first time in the history of Las Vegas that they turned off all the lights on the Las Vegas Strip and had a major strike. And so the people who were going to hire models, of course, were all out on strike. Nobody was going to hire any models during that time. And the people who were out on strike weren't going to send their kids to finishing school. And so here I am nine days into my new business and I put my whole $2,000 into the rent and the furniture and I'm, I don't know what I'm going to do. So at the end of the month, I went to my landlord and he was one of those Las Vegas types with the Italian, he was Italian and he had the shirt open to the waist and the gold chains. And I went to him and I said, we have a problem, you and I. I said, I can't pay the rent. I said, it's the first of the month and I'm out of money. And I didn't get people to come like I thought I was going to. And I just can't pay the rent. And he looked at me for a long time and he said, honey, he said, can you hang in there for six months? And I said, well, yeah, if I could pay the rent. And he said, here's the deal. He said, the man next door bet me that you wouldn't make it business six months. And I bet him you would. So he said, if you can hang in there for six months, we'll make more than enough money to pay your rent. I hung in there for six months. <laughs> And actually hung in there for 21 years, ended up buying my own building and still friends with that man to this day. He was such a good mentor to me and such a good coach during those years when we didn't know what mentors and coaches were. Bless his heart, he bent on me. And that was nice to have somebody believe in you that much. And so we made it. 21 years later, I sold the business for cash and did quite well. So that was the beginning of the help other people, empower women, see what they could be. And what's so exciting now, 58 years later, after I sold the business, it's been 58 years. I couldn't believe it. The other day, I teach art at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas right now. It's just a part-time thing because all the art thing's another whole story. But one of the ladies that was working with me back then at Universal Models, came walking into my art class to take art the other night. And I went, what are you doing here? And she said, it's been 58 years since I've seen you. And here she is. And it's amazing because I do get people that were my students way back then that now come to my art classes. And when they hear I have art, they come and I'll say, what do you want to paint? Do you want to paint animals? Do you want to paint? They go, I don't care. I just came to hang out with you. <laughs> like, wonderful. Thank you. So it's nice that after all these years, they still feel like there's something that I give to them that they can feel comfortable with, that they want to come back for it. That was the beginning of all this. <laughs> wow. What a story. Thank you for sharing. And Judy, I haven't known you for a long time, but definitely what I know of you and just the short time that we've had to spend together. I love your energy. I love your energy for life. And just the way that you come across and you support others, you really champion your values and your belief and your mission and your vision to support women. And obviously through your story, you've done it all of your life. Wondered if we could just go back to, you mentioned at the beginning that when you were younger, you didn't have a lot of confidence and self-belief. How did you go from that 
really like to creating this incredible business empire, being a running a radio show, running a TV show, being an author, helping other authors to write their books. Like, what did that look like in terms of your inner confidence and self belief? I had four older sisters and an older brother, and they were all very accomplished. My sisters were all extremely beautiful and they were very smart. And my brother was super fun and super smart. And I just always felt like I could never measure up to them. And I remember my dad saying to me when I was very small, just because you love someone doesn't mean you have to be like that someone. You have to be who you are. You have to believe in yourself. You, I know you love your sisters, but they've each got their own talents and their own abilities and their own life. And you've got to have yours. And so that was a big help that both of my parents were that way. And my mother was just the most incredible woman. She was probably the most interesting woman I've ever known in my whole life. And she would do anything to make a living. Remember, I was born right after World War II. So I'm really old. Nobody had any money back then. What we in America, we just didn't have any money. So my mother was so creative. She would make our clothes. She made us beautiful clothes. And because people saw her clothes, they'd say, oh, where did you get that dress? Or I'd like to have one. And I'd say, my mother made it. And the next thing you know, they'd be calling my mother and saying, could you make my daughter a dress? Or an entertainer would be calling saying, I saw this dress that somebody had and I want something like that. So my mother ended up making a lot of clothes for well-known entertainers. We live in Las Vegas. So she did a lot of things along that line. She uh, also was one of the first people to cover furniture and fur. So she made, back then they had this stuff called mouton and the fur was dyed like pink and, and white and turquoise and purple. And so she would make furniture with all of this stuff. And that caught on and went in a lot of furniture stores. And then she had a drapery workroom and she ended up making draperies for some of the big stages here in Vegas. Those big draperies that open up for the curtains for the entertainers. So she was always talented. And my mother would always say it was figure outable. If there was a, a puzzle or a, a problem or an issue, or you needed to cover a chair that was shaped differently, she would just say it was figure outable. You just had to sit down and look at it and figure out how to do it. And that you might make a mistake or two. And so she would always have this material that wasn't the material that was going to go on the furniture, but it was some material she could cut out like a pattern. So she would cut out the whole thing and make it and go, okay, now that works. And then she would take that and make it out of the real, the real fabric. So, I mean, she would always, no matter what I tried to do, if I'd go, mom, I can't do this, she would say, yes, you can. You just have to sit down and figure it out. Just think about it and figure it out. They all seemed to be so accomplished and together. And I wasn't. My sisters were artists. My one sister was a graphic artist at NASA. She designed the insignias that the astronauts wore on their uniforms. Another sister was an artist in Hawaii. She was well known for her seascapes. My other sister at a bakery and she decorated cakes with pictures of people on the cakes. They were all talented. And I never felt like I had any talent. And so I wouldn't try to draw. I wouldn't try to paint because I didn't feel like I could. And I thought, I just want to be a writer. I'm going to be a journalist someday. That's what I'm going to do. And they all encouraged me. They didn't tell me I was stupid or anything. So I don't know why I had 
this inferiority thing, except that they all seem to be so good at everything. I was about 12 or 13, I think, when my mother took me to a finishing school. And she said, you need to go here and get confidence. So I went to the, this little finishing school and they taught me how to do modeling. And then I started modeling in high school for a local dress shop. And they would furnish my clothes for me to model and tell everybody where I got them. And I started doing that. And then uh, somebody asked me to do a television commercial and I did a commercial, but I never felt like I was good at it. I just never felt really, really good at it. And even when I did the Wendy Ward thing and then I opened the, my own modeling school and my model agency, I still never felt like, yes, I really am good at something. It was never in there until we were doing a modeling competition up in Salt Lake City and one of my students said to me, if you think this is so easy, then you get up here and do it. And I said, okay, I'll show you. So I went and I paid my fee and I entered the competition and I tripped on my own clothes and fell on my face on the stage and picked myself up and went ahead and did my little routine. And I won the competition and it sent me to New York City. Even though I fell down, they said, because I got up and kept going and I was okay once I got up and kept going. They sent me to New York. Well, not believing that I would win in New York, I left my passport at home. And so went off to New York and they had, oh, hundreds of people in this competition. And I was standing in line and all these models were going up on stage and modeling. And I was standing there looking and waiting. And I kept thinking, I really should leave. I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. And finally, I, I did my thing and I went and sat back down and then at the end of the evening, they were giving out the awards and they gave the fourth place award and the third place and the second place and then the first place award in each of these different categories like runway, photography, print. They gave all these different awards in different categories. And so when I didn't get any award in any of those categories, I was getting up out of my chair to leave the room because I was crushed. And then they said, and the overall competition winner for all of these things was, and they called out my name. And here I was already standing up because I was going to leave the room. And I was so embarrassed because I thought people thought I probably thought I was going to win when I really was disappointed. And then I won. And then they announced it. And then they said, and Judy will be leaving for Paris, France tomorrow for this competition in Paris. And I said, I can't go. I don't have my passport. And they went, oh, oh. And so the first runner up got to go to Paris and I got to stay home. And that's when I realized that I had really sabotaged myself. Here was my opportunity to go to the international competition in Paris and represent the United States. And I hadn't brought my passport and I deliberately didn't take it because I didn't think I would win. And so from that day forward, I said to myself, listen, even if you don't think you're going to win, even if you don't think you can do it, even if you're just going to do it anyway, if you make a fool of yourself, you make a fool of yourself, but you are going to get yourself out there and do it because you don't know unless you try. And if you're going to sabotage yourself from the beginning, you're not going to get anywhere. So I wrote that story in my book, my book, You Are More Than Enough. I wrote it in there so that women who read my book can say, oh, my goodness, she sabotaged herself. And I've done that sometime or another. I've done that. And I just won't do that anymore. That taught me such a lesson. And the, the amazing thing was the first runner up was my student. Wow. So I, how does that make you feel? 
She said she had a great time in Paris. I bet she had an amazing time <laughs> in Paris. I hope you've gone back to Paris many times, Judy, and done your thing over there. Yeah, I've been back to Paris, but not as a model. <laughs> I have been there as a professional speaker, which is pretty exciting. I bet it was. And how incredible that you've forged the life, carved out the life for yourself to do that. I really love your story. I too resonate with it. I just want to ask our audience now, like how many times, first of all, when you were talking about the comparison game, like how many times do we compare ourselves to other people, especially other women, and think that we're not good enough because we don't, we're not doing what they're doing or we don't have what we, they have. Like you were talking about your family. And then I remember you sharing actually about falling off the stage. I didn't know the whole story. <laughs> I've used that example actually a lot of times. I've talked about you to other women and said to them, look, you can be the most competent speaker, you can be the most competent performer, but you can still fall off the stage. So we're going to make mistakes. And if we hold ourselves back because we're afraid of doing the wrong thing or saying the wrong thing, we're never even going to try. We're never even going to get to where we want to do we do make mistakes. We're human. We make mistakes. And we, I love when you share that story because you just, we just laugh about it. I also fell <laughs> on stage once, by the way. Well, I really resonate with that. I fell on a <laughs> lap. So I really, really love the fact that you're now living your life and you're like, no, I'm not going to sabotage myself anymore. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to have the best experience that I can and create everything that I want to create in my life. And what you've created. It's incredible. So Judy, you now work with authors. Is it men and women that you work with or is it just women? But right, no, it's, and personal it's men and women both. I taught writing for a while at the university. They have various continuing education classes that they'll call me to come out and teach. But I wrote my book, You Are More Than Enough, this one, Every Woman's Guide to Purpose, Passion and Power. I wrote this based on the courses that I taught in the modeling school and the finishing school and model agency that I owned for 21 years. And so I taught thousands of people that went through my programs. And I wrote the book based on the general principles from that. And then I put in my own stories to give examples of how we can believe in ourselves more. And I put in stories of a lot of other women as well, people that I believe in and that I saw what they did to get ahead in life. And so I wrote that book, but I also wrote, oh, we're speaking of that book. It's just now coming out in Spanish. This is the proof. I just got it yesterday. So it's going to be in Spanish. I'm so excited because I have literally thousands of, of women that have read the book that have said it was great, but the Spanish ladies keep saying to me that they can't read it. So I had it totally translated and I'm so excited. This is the proof. You can see it's got this thing on it. But it won't have that on it when it comes out. It's supposed to come out on Amazon in the next couple of days. So I'm so excited about that book. So then anyway, it turned out that everything I do in life becomes a book. When I got cancer about 12 to 14 years ago, the doctor told me I probably had about a year left. And I knew that I don't have an expiration date stamped on me anywhere. And so I said, no, I don't believe that. And I went to 24 different clinics and I saw all these different doctors. And I finally went to a place up in Utah. And when I walked in, the doctor said to me, let's see if we can get you well. He was the first one that said that. Everybody else said, let's talk about your treatment. 
And he said, let's see if we can get you well. And seven months later, I was cancer-free, and it's been almost 15 years now since that time. So I wrote this book entitled Overcoming Cancer, A Journey of Faith. And I told my story, and I told what he had me do in order to become healthy. And my, I had to change my life, but that's okay. I wanted to live enough that I changed everything. Then I got into writing books for speakers because people kept saying to me they wanted to speak like I did. I was so fortunate when I became a speaker. I really, I'm smart in some ways. I had an opportunity to be interviewed by this group that they were going to take a speaker to England, South Africa, and Australia. The interview was in San Diego, and I drove from Las Vegas to San Diego. I drove my car because I wanted to have the car there, and my interview was right before lunch. And so I said to the three men that were interviewing me, are you having lunch today? And they said, yes, but they didn't know where to go. And I said, I have my car and I know where to go. So if you would like to have lunch with me, I will be glad to drive you. They were excited because one was from England, one was from Australia, one was from South Africa. And we went to lunch. And needless to say, my interview lasted more than 15 minutes because I took them to lunch and they liked me and they hired me right then and there to be on this tour. And then it turned out that the main speaker who was on the tour decided not to go because of the apartheid thing in South Africa with the Blacks not having equal rights. He, he decided it wasn't the right thing to do. And I was so ignorant of the laws of other countries at the time, I didn't even know what that meant. And so I'm like, okay, I'll go. And they said, well, as long as you're going and we're just going to put you on top billing, would that be all right with you? And I'm like, Sure that'll be okay. And so they made up all these stories about how wonderful I was. I'm sure that most of it was true, but it was exaggerated. And they put out all these brochures and things. And I had this wonderful tour of Australia, England, and South Africa with these people for months. I went around speaking in all these different places. And so that really expanded my speaking. That's where I really started my speaking career because I had always spoken to promote the business. That's how I got all the, the students in the finishing school and the Wendy Ward program. I'd go out and speak at schools. And when you speak at schools, you get pretty good because children don't want to hear speakers. They want to throw paper airplanes at you with things. And so you've got to be very entertaining in order to keep them interested. And then one day somebody called from the Tropicana Hotel here in Vegas and said, could you do a spouse program? Uh, we have conventions coming and we want you to do a spouse program. And we'll pay you $50. And I'm like, oh, $50. Yay. So I went and did it, having no idea that eventually it would get to the point where people were paying thousands and thousands of dollars for my plane ticket, not to mention paying me. So it started out to be a really good career, took me to 29 countries around the world. And then people started asking me, how did you do it? So then I wrote this book called Turn Your Speaking into Cash. And it's about branding and marketing your expertise. How do you get out there and get people to hire you? That one. And then I thought, I do all this writing a book. <laughs> so I wrote this book called Turn Your Story Into Cash. And this is writing and launching your book. And then I wrote this book. Later, I wrote a book called Turn Your Art Into Cash because when I got cancer, the doctor sent me to art class. Now, I thought the man was nuts because my family, they're all artists. And I was never an artist. And my doctor said, you need to go to art class. And I said, why would I go to art class? 
I don't have any talent. He said, you'll go to art class because you need to sit down and be quiet for three hours at a time. You talk all the time. You're a nervous wreck. You need to just be quiet. So he sent me to art class and I found out I had some talent and I started painting and I started entering competitions and I started winning. And then later, somebody offered me a job as an art teacher at the university, which is really cool. And so I wrote this little book, Turn Your Art Into Cash, Branding and Marketing Your Creative Products. So everything in my life becomes a book. (laughs) If it's a story, it becomes a book. So people started calling me and saying, Judy, could you edit my book? So I edited a lot of self-help books for people. And they've done really well. Most of the people I work with enter these writing competitions. And they win a one one most inspirational writer and one most motivational book. They do that. Then this young man came to me about two years ago, and he had written a fantasy novel, like like a Lord of the Rings sort of thing called Legends. It's a trilogy. It's going to be a trilogy. So he had written this book, and he had taken it to two other editors, and they both said, oh, no, this is just too much work. And of course, both of them recommended me because they know me. I'll just, I'll take on anything. If it's a puzzle, it's everything is like a puzzle. See, my mother did that to me. She taught me that everything is fixable if you can figure it out. And so he brought me this book that was 500 pages, but only one paragraph. The whole thing was one paragraph, 500 pages. And I read it and it was a great story, but it didn't wasn't divided into paragraphs. It wasn't divided into chapters. It was just this long 500-page story. And so that took me about four and a half months to sort that out and put dialogue in and help him with it. And it just came out recently. It's called Legends. And it's just a fabulous book. I loved working with him because he made up his characters. He, he had critters. He made up names for all his critters and his characters. And it was so fun to do something so totally different and to help him create this incredibly beautiful book. And I enjoy doing that. I enjoy helping people take something that they know they've got, but they just don't know how to just quite put it out there. They don't know how to get people to recognize their talent or their ability. Oh, and way back, I, I'm old, so I've lived a lot of different lives, but way back early on in my career, Actually, it was right before the Wendy Ward thing. I worked for a man named Buck Ram. Now, Buck Ram is the man who wrote Twilight Time, Only You, I'll Be Home for Christmas, and all those old songs that the Platters recorded back in the 1950s. And my job when I worked for Buck Ram was to promote the entertainers, was to get them seen, to get them out there in front of the world and to hire screamers for them. I would hire people and put them on the front of the hotel where this person was going to entertain. I would have them stand in the front. And then when the limo would pull up and they would get out of the limo, these screamers would yell, yeah, look who it is. It's Ike and Tina Turner or it's the Ink Spots or whatever. And then if you get three or four good screamers, you could get the whole crowd going, oh, who is it? Who is it? So that was my job was to create these excitement events. And so... I got to thinking about that when I really started having confidence in my own career is how do you get screamers? How do you get people that are so excited about you that they want to do what you do and they want to do it the way you do it and they want to do it with you and they want to drag their friends and family in to do it with you too. So I I got to thinking about that and I thought, "Mm, 
Okay. So I put together a little formula of how to do that. And that formula is what I ended up speaking about all over the world about how to get people to do business with you, how to get people excited about you and your product and your business and your customer service and whatever else. So all these experiences from my life pulled together to uh, make this wonderful experience of being a professional speaker. Judy, I never knew that you could hire screamers. You've taught me something <laughs> today. That's amazing. And the fact that you've now applied that to business and, and helping others with their business, like creating these raving fans, creating a mission and bringing people along with you on the journey. I feel that every time that you speak, you're so passionate about what you do and you're so wise in, and your storytelling is incredible. And I wish that we had so much longer to talk, but we don't. So I just wanted to say thank you so much for coming on and congratulations on your success. Congratulations on your book. Thank you. Spanish. Thank, thank you so much for letting us have a, a, a little shot at that. And just really quickly as well, you've just launched a course, haven't you, Judy, as well? Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yes, I want to be sure to tell people about that. I've launched a course entitled You Are More Than Enough, Overcoming Your Perceived Limitations. Because people do have perceived limitations. They really don't have any limitations, but they perceive that they do. And so I've launched this course and I'm so excited about it. And the people that are taking it are telling me that they're loving it. And not only do they do the 18 modules that I have recorded for them, but we have two and a half months of every Monday night, we are together, the whole group and me, and we have group coaching and it's just fabulous. I just love it. I've got people from the Philippines. I've got people from England. I've got a lady from California. I've got a couple of Las Vegas people. They just come to me over the internet from having seen something that I've done or something on YouTube that I've done. And it's wonderful. The course is fabulous. If anybody's interested, they could just contact me through my internet, through email, judymorio at yahoo.com or judy at judymorio.com. And that would be great. And I'll tell them more about it. But thank you for mentioning it because I am so excited about it. Well, I wanted to celebrate with you because I know that you're really most importantly, you're enjoying it as well as obviously everyone else that's coming on. It's all about having fun, right? And sharing our knowledge in a fun way and an engaging way. And I know that you're so good at teaching others to do that. Thank you. I tell my students that your audience isn't going to have fun if you're not having fun. It's true. You've got to have fun for them to have fun. If you're boring, they're not going to be too excited. Lily, who wants to hang out with a boring person? Not me. Not me. <laughs> Judy, thank you so much. Thank you for coming on and sharing your wisdom and your stories. Can you just remind our listeners and our viewers again of your website so that they can go and check you out? Thank you. My website is judymario.com and my name is spelled with an I, like ice cream. J-U-D-I-M-O-R-E-O, like Oreo cookies with an M. So it's judymario.com. That's my website. And I also have one for my artwork, judymorioartist.com. Oh, I'm going to go and check and look at your artwork. Judy, thank you. It's been a complete pleasure. Thank you for coming and joining us today. You're welcome and thank you. And thank you everyone for watching and listening to us. I hope that you've enjoyed this wonderful episode. I'm sure there's so many 
different takeaways, uh, definitely from what Judy was sharing with us. For my main takeaways, for sure, just being trusting in yourself, believing in yourself, not worrying about failure and not sabotaging yourself. And whatever you do, do not fall off stage. Well, you can <laughs> fall off stage, but if you fall but back get up, up, get back up again. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. And uh, we will see you on the next episode of Women Thrive Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to Women Thrive Podcast. If you found today's episode empowering and inspiring, be sure to subscribe and follow us. Better yet, leave a review and share it with others. We're committed to bringing you more stories that will empower and inspire you on your own journey. Until next time, keep listening, keep learning, and keep pursuing your dreams.